Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast and myself, Roy Shanahan, and of course, Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com. Nathan, welcome back. A brand new season yeah. starting off and a very interesting one too because we have the two divisions, but we're less a team in the first division. Yeah, it's um, it's good to be back, first of all, Roy. It really is. Nice to have the football back. Nice to have uh, our good selves back, talking shy throughout the year. <laughs> um, I'm sure we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of every team uh, as the season progresses and as the year goes on. But yeah, look, every year the fourth division is a tasty one, but to see how the old uh, Kevin Teeley, Bray Wanderers, Bray Teeley, whatever the fuck we're calling these days, <laughs> how that's going to get on. Um, yeah, yeah, strange one. I suppose... This probably seems as a nicer to the old FEI four-year plan, doesn't it? Yeah. That's what we're talking yeah. about in, in, in terms of integrating. Um, I know a number of things came out we're going to get into with the, the, the four-year strategy, but probably the, the main sticking point for us being the introduction or the possible introduction of a tour tier to the League of Ireland. Mm. What do you reckon about that, mate? Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, the third tier is something that I think is going to be fantastic. I think they're talking about a pyramid scheme that would see promotion and relegation through the the tour division. And it could see the likes of, let's say, Cork City getting relegated out of the league altogether. And this is what they're looking for in the future, which is great because that's what you want to see. You want to see teams. The only thing is, is that can we can't fill two divisions at the moment. How are they going to how are they going to fill a third one? What criteria are going to be there? Is it going to be full of B teams? which is a, a strong possibility for starting out. And then they sort of bring in Leinster Senior, Munster Senior, uh, so on, so forth. So it's going to be interesting to see what way they structure it next year because they're starting next year, 2023. So it's really going to yeah. be interesting to see what way they structure it there. What's your thoughts initially? Jeez, even you said 2023, when I first seen it on a piece of paper, I was like, gosh, that's a couple of years away. But Jesus, life is fleeting. Christ, that's scary. Uh, yeah, like I said, going to be filled up with a lot of B teams, uh, universities, colleges, also things like that. Uh, like I said, we could see the introduction of Leinster Munster Senior. Um, I actually got it wrong. I thought it was one of your old um, Flames, Roy, Kilkenny City, were making a bit of a tease online, but it was actually Kildare County were teasing their, uh, their comeback to the League of Ireland uh, on their social media platforms. So uh, I, I was going to stitch up a little bit there and... No, perfect possible comeback to Kilkenny, but look, I think uh, there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered in terms of, the, of, of a tour tier. I'd like to see the whole the, the pyramid and the structure of Irish football in general um, get a much needed improvement in terms of a natural pathway from amateur football leading right up to the League of Ireland, and that in- includes even young grassroots football behind that. I think the way forward for me, and I know it's something that's being talked about heavily, is regionalising it, making it into, you know, a north-south or teams from the west playing teams from the west, where it cut down things like travel costs. Just a quick example for sides that you don't want to have a side to say, perfect example from Stoig up travelling to Waterford or Dublin on a weekly basis. So I think to keep it, keep, keep it feasible and to keep the cost down, you're going to have to do a, a natural regional system. Yeah, okay. Uh, we'll have a look at this, I suppose, strategy plan now and and let's have a look and see what they're actually talking about here because it is it is interesting to see what they're talking about. So 
they're talking about further develop the existing League of Ireland academy structure to offer the most promising young players increased levels of support on their football and education journeys, working closely and collaboratively with clubs in their catchment area. It's easy for them to say. Okay. Cl- <laughs> you got it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> uh, cl- collaborate proactively with fans and clubs to recognise and sustain the vibrant supporter culture within the League of Ireland. Nathan, that's going to be a huge one because I'm not sure that that was happening in the first place, was it? Yeah, that's one that's a lot of people been crying out for, hasn't it been? Uh, I think... It's safe to say a lot of fans' relationship with the FEI and the trust within the FEI, it's non-existent and it's been factored for a long time. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be something. Um, I know it's a little bit off topic, actually, but why, why we're touching on it uh, with the FEI and, and the fan base, and we're going to talk about Shamrock Rovers uh, a little bit later. But the decision, do you see that? The decision for Shamrock Rovers fans now to be allowed uh, entry into the opening game uh, against UCD, well, it was looking like that. That wasn't going to be a possibility at all due to the, the firework incident that we see in late last season uh, in the URSC. Yeah. Shamrock Rovers played their way to Waterford. They're really going off-road here, Nathan. You've just fed yeah, their structure yeah. up out there. Yeah, come here. Yeah, no, listen. I, I, do you know what? Maybe it was too much. Maybe it was too much. Maybe the fine is enough and, you know... If it happens again, second time round, you get an, you're going to get the ban. I'm not sure the ban was was needed the first time around. It wasn't in their stadium. Normally, that sort of thing yeah. is when it's in their own stadium, so it wasn't in their stadium. So yeah, I think I think sense prevailed on this one. Yeah. I I do think that if there's a, a repeat of it, then yeah, definitely kind of hammered them there. So yep. Yeah. I, I I'd, I'd agree with that one. I think it was a five thousand to fine. Five thousand, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about so, that. Right, that's that's we'll we'll, we'll that's we'll, it, we'll, yeah. that'll back to where we were. <laughs> <laughs> we'll continue I'll, I'll on. Keep, so I'll keep any other comments to myself for later in the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, encourage and enable League of Ireland clubs to pay, uh, play a more attractive role in the community. This is a big one, Nathan, because Massive. it's it. They need to get people on their side the league uh, the clubs so the likes of Sligo is grand because they're down there but it's it, I'd look at the likes of St. Pat's Athletic and yeah. around the area that they are they really just survive off in Chicor and they really need to go and open up their horizons there and you know obviously do work around in Chicor but surrounding areas you know develop it says you know promoting cooperation with wider community stakeholders and fans driving public and private investment in club led social programs for the global clubs and their communities so if they're seen to do good around the community then you're going to get that back in support for your club that's natural isn't it a million percent. And I was on here last year. I said it on camera, off camera to you. It was blue in the face, especially when you mentioned Pats. Like the catchment area that's there available to Pats, um, it, it's ridiculous. And for a long, long time, it was completely just untapped. Like I said, in Chicago, that's the main one. But I know I'm going to rattle out a few places now that we like listen to Chinese for people that don't know the area. But like the Ballyfair, Mickland, Dock, and Parmistown, James Street, further into town, the Liberties. These are all areas that, you know, Pats could have a strong hold in. And we could even go to places like Chap Lizard, which St. Pats has a history of playing in Chap Lizard early in their history. So these are things that just wouldn't be tapped into. Now, it has changed in a, in, in a number of years with the clubs. The club bought in um, a community de- development officer in Dave Morrissey. Unfortunately, Dave has actually left the position, which is going to be a massive loss for Pats. So that's something that's going to need to be replaced. Even away from your own club, look, you could look at everything that happened with Dundalk in the past couple of years and how that seems to be changed for the better since the new owners coming in and they're just trying to get that 
them links and them connection, connections that have been factored so much with local businesses, with the local people, with Dundalk as a town as a whole. Because again, we said it loads of times at the back end of last season. These clubs need to be like a community hub. Not They need to be a place that everyone can flock to and everyone can enjoy coming to once. It's something that delayed for the longest time. Just It's a resource that hasn't been used. And yet, like I said, it's improving with a lot of clubs. But I think by looking 10, 15 years too late here, it's... It, you should be really having it almost like a GAA parish mentality when you come yeah, to these communities. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, uh, but it's better late than never, Nathan. So we'll 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 go with that. Here's a few things that they've said what we need to do. Work with our clubs to develop additional tiers in the men's and women's league. So they're going for a third tier in the men's and hopefully a second tier in the women's national league. That won't be till 2025 for the women, but they're saying 2023 for the men. It's We've kind of discussed that. We'll come back to that one. Uh, produce the League of Ireland infrastructure p- plan. Now, this is interesting because this will encompass the stadium, training grounds, academies and anything that needs analysis agreed and costed to secure necessary investment. Talk to me about that, Nathan, because when I seen this, I thought, right, that's great. But and with a lot of stuff in this uh, strategic plan, it seems more like a wish list. And yeah. we're not really seeing what they're going to do to sort of get to where they want to get to. We've all said we want these things, but it's a different thing wanting something and another thing actually working your arse off and having a plan to do it. And I don't, they haven't come with any plan. They've just sort of wished it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just it's it's pretty much what we do week in week out, isn't it? We just come on and say what we like, like I said. I literally have in my notes wish list. Is any of this realistic? Because it's it's all nice and it's all good things to have. And we're going to go into this, some of the other things on, on the four year strategy plan. But it all falls down to funding and all falls down to finances. You know, uh, whether that be local government, whether that be national government, did you go to the likes of your wafer, um, looking for funding? So. Yeah, I, I'm not too sure. And like I said, we're going to get into a little bit further into this list, but trying to p- point out things that are realistic. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I, I can't see a lot of realistic um, goals as we're, as we're going through the list here. Okay, right. Let's Am I being look pessimistic? At... Am I being pessimistic on that one? No, I, th- I, I think what we want is we don't want to have lists of things that people buzzwords that people want to hear and then you never really sort of get to the promised land so is it something just to to, are they focusing on this have they got a plan Uh, we need to know this the league need to know it the the clubs need to know it the fans need to know it they need to know how they feel that they're going to get there because the clubs the fans are the people who are going to help them get there. So they need to, they threw, threw this out, really, really tr- should have thrown out how they're going to get there and how everyone plays their role. And, and yeah. that, that hasn't been dull, uh, done. Support League of Ireland clubs to be competitive in all UEFA competitions. The top 30 UEFA league coefficient position for the League of Ireland by the end of 2025. Now, Nathan, <laughs> the reason why I start with now, Nathan, is because... Stephen Bradley was on talking about this and he said, listen, it's great that they have this these plans. Fantastic. I think, yes, everything that's there we should aspire to. But exactly what we've said, the clubs and the fans now should be within this and they need to tell us how this is done. To reach the top 30, he said, is nearly going to be impossible within the next three years unless yeah. all the teams 
go mir- do miraculous runs like Dundalk did uh, a couple of years ago where they got into the group stages and uh, etc. So this is the worrying point. It looks like they've just plucked this out of the air. I don't know what they base this on. Am I right in saying that your current standings in this rank is a 40? 40, so did, yeah, so did jump 10 leagues. 10 leagues in, in, in the space of a couple of years. And now we're perfect that you mentioned Stephen Bradley because that's obviously going to be a goal for them this year is making a sustained run in Europe. They've, they've dominated the league over the past couple of years domestically. That has to be the next goal, but that's not going to be enough. You know, we're going to need the likes of St. Pat's, Derry City, uh, Sligo Rovers this year and beyond, not only this year and beyond to to do that. And that's going to come down, unfortunately, to a lot of luck. It's going to come down to things like the look of a draw uh, 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 and things of that nature. And to make such a significant jump in that short amount of time, again, I'm a piss- pessimistic fan. I was a pessimistic fan. Jesus, I'm <laughs> going to get censored on a full show back. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to be, again, pessimistic fan here. I can't see it. I nope. really, really can't see it. And again, it, it, it's, it's hard to even have a conversation with it between me and you because, like you said, these are just team statements that are being thrown out with no uh, factional reason behind it, with no reason of why they've thrown these statements out, and no no sensible way of going about it. Yeah, the strategy. This is this is more of the wish list. The strategy will give you the details behind the the, the plan, and there's no real details there. So, I uh, yeah, wish list seems to be what uh, myself, yourself, and and many others believe that this is uh, although albeit we hope they achieve everything that they they talk about there uh, create create a new brand identity for the league of ireland by 2023 so they're giving themselves the year to create this brand again again that suggests to me that they're only starting to work on this with men's women's and underage league of ireland football represented under one umbrella Okay, fine. Happy with that. See what they yeah. come out with. Uh, increase attendances at domestic league and cup matches. Now, Aviva Stadium, this is how they're going to get it. Aviva, Stad- Aviva Stadium <laughs> sold out by 2025. So this is how they're going to increase it by selling out the men's final. There's no nothing there to say how they're going to do it. Yeah. Tala Stadium sold out for women's FAI Cup final. So again, throwing something up there, kind of saying... Yeah, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a full stadium, but not giving us anything on how they're going to do it. Yeah. So uh, it's 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 wishy washy to me, I have to say. And again, with, with, I, ho- I hope they reach it, but far away. With the, this this is the, the point where now they should be releasing their marketing strategies to sell out these finals. Uh, and look, we were very successful with the last final uh, in the Aviva Stadiums so of 40,000 or so uh, at, at the game. I'm being one of them. I had a lovely day, right? Um, but again, you know, maybe it's more realistic goal to be beating these targets. You know, say, oh, we got 40,000 uh, last year. Now let's go, even only 41, 42,000 next year and keep trying to up and up and up. But again, it, there needs to be a release of a marketing strategy and needs to be a, a, a sustainable backing by the FEI to promote it and to entice people down. Because look, these FEI Cup finals, both on the men's and the women's side, more so the men's are going to see it, in it, it with the numbers. Fans will go. Your core League of Ireland fans, as neutral as even away from the from the two fans involved in the game, will go to the game. But you need to entice more. You need to entice more to be coming down to these finals on a regular basis. And to do that, it, it needs to be marketed right. Like the league as a whole, not only these cup finals. But it shows me, Nathan, that they're only focused on again the Ireland team, where they're talking about uh, selling out the stadium there, making sure that the premium tickets are sold and food and all that sort of stuff. So looking to maximise the money they get, they get out of a game day. And it seems here that they've focused on increasing attendances, but they've only focused on the two 
Cup finals. And they're not saying, yeah, they're not saying how, you know, Bray Cabantilli are going to increase their attendances by 50%. And they're not saying how, you know, Sligo Rovers can get an extra 10% out. It's, again, there's little or nothing there. And I really hope they come out soon and and let us know what their plans are. So let's just move on quickly because we don't want to stay on this too long. Uh, Finish it, finish it off there. Support the development of League of Ireland clubs and academies basically have full-time staff. Uh, Full-time staff targets to be agreed as part of an ongoing development. Academy certification or certification system introduced within League of Ireland by 2023. Well, yeah, you can get that done. Uh, the full-time thing, again, I suppose full-time comes around, but you get attendances up, you get people interested. So that all comes hand in hand. So I'm interested to see why they've made that a separate thing. Um, yes, it's great if they do get everyone full-time. Um, but again, it doesn't even give you a, a timeline on that. And then collaborate with League of Ireland clubs to continue to develop football, social responsibility strategies. All clubs will have this in place by 2023. Programmes initiatives rolled out by 2024. Okay, so what's your thoughts overall on the plan? Not even just the League of Ireland, but the, the, the whole thing, Nathan. What's what's your thoughts on, on the plan? It, it's hard to be optimistic with it. Again, we're going off scraps of what, what you're seeing there, you know, we really are. We, I think there needs to be a substantial, I know we said it a few times, I don't need to be substantial reasoning behind these decisions to be made. And to we, we need to be told why these goals and these timelines should be seen as realistic and why we should be pushing against it. Like you said, what can we do? What can the average fan do? What what, what can clubs and um, people involved the clubs do? Um, yeah. Hard to be hard to be positive because I think as well uh, as League of Ireland fan with these sort of uh, strategies and plans with the League of Ireland from the FEI, we've seen them in the past, haven't we? I yeah. think that's that, that that's the re- reason why you're seeing a lot of League of Ireland fans not be positive and not be optimistic because on paper these are all, all things that we're crying out for. These are all things for the most part that the league and the Irish football as a whole badly needs. But we also need to know how is it going to get done and why are these targets being sought out. Yeah, um, it's going to be a, a, a big one because there's been so many false promises uh, yeah. we've seen over the years with League of Ireland and they're saying three years down the line, this, that and the other will be done. Is it just to keep people away for three years? Well, we'll be seeing, again, as we said, we're not really being negative, but we kind of are. <laughs> we just want, to, <laughs> oh, we, yeah. we want oh, it yeah. all to be true, but we, we, we not, <laughs> we're not really too sure now on, on, on past dealings. Okay, as you can see, Euro 2028, the FAI have decided to jump into bed with England, Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland, Nathan. In your eyes, is this a good thing, a positive thing? Or again, is this something that's wishy-washy and to be seen to be doing things where, you know, do they have a chance really? If you're too never positivity, stick around. It will come. It'll come in a minute. It will come in a minute. Days again, we talked about it, didn't we? When when it came to Euro 2020 with some of the games um, in Ireland, we're just not set up for these sort of things. We, we really aren't. And look, first of all, most importantly, the stadiums. When it comes to this conversation, we have only one stadium to offer, and that's the that, that's the Aviva. Um, so what do you what else do you do there? Now people say about number of GAA stadiums um in the country, but they well, go they said Crow Par- they said yeah, Park will come in, won't they? Well, even at that, I, I know you're way for adding fond of 
having two stadiums at tournaments in the one city. And again, you're gonna to have to there's a requirement for the stadiums to be full seated as well. Whether you refurbish them and put some temporary seating in, who flips the cost for that? Nathan, I say and in the world the World Cup, right? The World Cup in Qatar, they have about six stadiums in the same city and then yeah, or more it, it's just in that surrounding area. Now, that's Qatar, that's different. And you yeah. said UEFA, not FIFA. But yeah. I, th- I think they might get away with two in the same stadium. I'd be looking at a, a few different things, Nathan. First of all, Northern Ireland. What are Northern Ireland going to do? They're talking about Casement Park and building that up, making sure that that's probably 30,000 or 35,000 all-seater stadium. So they're going to have to redevelop that totally. So that's a good yeah. bit of money that's going to go into that. You, you've got Scotland. That's fine. They have their couple of stadiums. They've got Hamden. They've got Ibrox yeah. and, and, and Celtic Park. Celtic. You've got Wales. You'll have your Millennium Stadium. You'll have uh, Swansea and, and Cardiff. They'll have their stadium. So that's fine as well. And of course, England have an abundance, which won't <laughs> be a problem. Right, yeah. The problem is, Nathan, Ireland are in bed with England here. England have just destroyed a final with crowd trouble. They have they made a mockery of themselves. The fans made a mockery of themselves over there on that day. Do UEFA turn around and all of a sudden just trust England to be able to, you know, trust their fans and, and, and organise this so that there's no repeat again? Yeah, you can't be seen to be uh, to be not punishing them and to be supporting that behaviour because it's not only the fan base as well, Roy. It was the complete lack of any sort of uh, proper security system and policing, not only stewards in the day, but police. You know, you've listened to a couple of interviews with well-known sports journalists that have gone to the final. And these journalists have been to severely intense games in the likes of Greece, Turkey, you know, these really, really hostile atmospheres, South America. And these journalists are saying they've never felt as unsafe as they did in the Euro 2020 final uh, between England and Italy. So that's going to be a, a complete major issue for them. It's the fact that it wasn't off-field hooliganism and fans that you can't uh, control. Like the, the security aspect and the, the stewarding aspect and the policing aspect is something that's absolutely major, even more important than stadiums, even more important than transport and accommodation and things like that. So to see that he failed so badly at, at such a major stage, that's it was... It was a really, really bad black eye on the day of the FA, and it's it's going to be questioned when these sort of bids come up again. Yeah, so obviously that's one bid. The other bids they have, Nathan, confirmed these are going to plan to bid are Romania, Greece, Bulgaria, and Serbia. That's one bid. Turkey on their own and ourselves, okay? Then the others who have expressed interests and this is a mad one, Denmark, Faroe Islands, Finland, Iceland, Norway, and Sweden. Unbelievable, that's a long one. Portugal and Spain and Russia. Now, I do believe that Portugal and Spain are UEFA's favourites to be pushed for the World Cup in 2030. And I think that's why England bowed out of the 2030. So Portugal and Spain may step aside from Euro 2028. Uh, You look at them ones, apart from... The, the, the mad one uh, of yeah. I mean well no we have five they've they've six there but that's every country around and island around there in Scandinavia but they they haven't had a, a European Championships and I'm looking at you know places that yeah. haven't had a European Championship obviously Russia have had it uh, Turkey I can't remember no I don't think Turkey ever had the European Championships well, I might be wrong I don't remember it either and then Romania Greece Bulgaria and Serbia they do want to get it into different areas so again when you look at that Nathan can you make a case for 
England, who just had a semi-final and a final in the European Championships in 2020, albeit 2021, having it seven years later. Yeah, it's it's hard to see. I know that you you've seen to have a soft spot for uh, Wembley Stadium in particular for major finals. We've seen it in in club competitions as well. Um, yeah, it's it's a security issue is a big one, isn't it? And the proximity, as you said, is a major one. Yeah, now they say the Scandinavia, uh, couldn't be a bad show at all. Um, yeah, yeah, I I do. I struggle to see uh, the the English one. And again, it's not. I don't want to be repeating myself and going back, but. Like, that's a bad issue to have security issues you know different if, if it was the state say stadiums you know you can be four of stadiums and, and get them done up and things like that you can bring in new sort of sorts of transport you can build up new accommodations but security issues that is major uh major competitions and these major sportman events with the world watching that's a bad one it's a bad 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 issue to have and just to finish off on it, Nathan, because there's so many teams in our bid and there's so many teams in that Scandinavian bid they're not all going to be able to get qualification automatic qualification so in this one some of these teams are going to have to qualify if not all of these teams are going to have to qualify and if you're Ireland and you don't qualify for the tournament that's it again it feels a little bit flat then if you don't qualify you know you're missing the party and it's in your own backyard I wasn't interested in I know loads of people were but I wasn't interested in and you were going to go but <laughs> I wasn't interested in the in the Euro 2020s being in Dublin if Ireland weren't in it and I really wasn't it didn't really yeah. it, it didn't excite me at all um, I, I was kind of glad it wasn't in the end but I know listen there's money to be made and that's great the FAI need money and that's that's brilliant but could we have not done a deal with maybe you know Scotland or uh, do you know what I actually see Ireland if Ireland actually decided with the government because there's so much in that stra- strategic plan that is League of Ireland how are, how are we going to help the League of Ireland we're going to ask the government for money we're going to ask UEFA and FIFA for money they're going to go around with the begging bowl and ask yeah, every single hand. person they can and look for money well why wouldn't they look at the plan for actually holding the Euros in Ireland themselves and with the government, redevelop some of those, like the the GAA stadiums, and then go for it themselves. And, and instead of having this thing of we're jumping in with someone else, which I don't think we're going to get, to tell you the truth, you know. And I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't don't get. But I'd like to see a bit of optimism there that we can do something. Obviously, it has to make sense money wise. But I mean, yeah. there's a lot of money behind uh, holding the third richest sporting uh, tournament around. I have to be honest, I think that's really unrealistic to, to see us hosting on our own. Like I said, we go in with Scotland and market it as like a Celtic event, you know, to do Celtic countries. Mm. Just for us, you know. It, it, first of all, it's trying to get that connection with the GAA, which is bloody, literally impossible to be seen with the Liam Miller. Remember the Liam Miller tribute game? You couldn't have yeah. that in Cork. I know that was a bit of a failed rugby World Cup bid as well in the past, wasn't there? That, that sworn on the, on the connection of the GAA. And as well, a lot of these summers, uh, these tournaments go on during the summer. That's high the GAA season. Some of GAA fans uh, telling me so. To see them even allowing uh, football games, being able to play in these stadiums during the GAA season is quite difficult. Then you go into the boring stuff. You go into transportation in this country. It's, mm. Even transportation in Dublin is a fucking joke beyond belief for a capital city in Europe. Like, I'm living in the West of Ireland. I can tell you the, the, the transport system, it's, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not that good. It's not that good, man. So to have these, you know, uh, these stadiums uh, down the country, it's, it's yeah, I can see it quite, 
quite difficult to do when you do get down to the board and aspects of like hotels and facilitating the size of training grounds and transport and things like that. Yeah, I can see it being really far fetched for us. But I'd love to see it, but yeah, I, I, I think it's mission impossible job. Yep. Okay. What about with Scotland and Wales rather than having England? I think it'd be more again it's, it's it's what can we bring to the party you know like like in the current state we can only hold group games and is it a last 16 i think that's what we're going to hold in the year 2020 wasn't it group games and and a last uh 16 game yeah but if you had croke just, if you had croke park you could hold the final yeah you could do yeah but uh again it falls i think it's again this requirements of an all-state state you need to get that done up and i know we talked about the gaa and everything but in an ideal world yeah croke park could be mm. more than likely would be used um, yeah, I, I find it hard to see us really contributing to, to one of these major tournaments in the next 10, 15 years we're being realistic. Okay, let's get some positivity going. Yeah, yes, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Season gotta, three is off to an absolute flyer. Uh, you, are, uh, you are donning your head in the game top and uh, yeah, good news. Heading to Game Park is going to go and run on for another year, Nathan. So it seems you're part of the Heading the Game team. Talk to us. Let us know what's the story, what's happening this year. And uh, it's great that Drogheda are taking on the Heading the Game name again this year. Yeah, obviously from myself and everybody else on the, the Heading the Game committee, we're absolutely honoured. We're, we're delighted to get this uh, privilege again. Thanks to the likes of Connor Harry and everybody involved with Jordan United. They've, they've been, well, we've been shaken with a lot of the support that we got from League of Ireland Club and the community. Drogheda have been nothing but excellent and they, they've committed themselves this year. They said they want to do further work with us um, in, in terms of advocating mental health in the League of Ireland and Irish football as a whole. So, that's absolutely excellent. Uh, what's on the cards for us this year? It's it's just improving, you know. I think we're at a stage where our name is out there now. I, I think heading the game is without tooting our own horn. I think it's it's a known, it, it, it's respected. We've had these links with the PFEI, with the FEI, like you have these name and uh, rights with, with Drotty and United. Uh, with the lovely jerseys, you can still pick up these jerseys uh, and ye. Quick plug, thanks Roy for having this. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to have things like a website that's going to be launching uh, very soon. That's something we've been working hard on. Something that uh, I know myself personally, I'm dying to see the back of and I can't wait to get it out there and get it up. Um, yeah, a lot of education on our behalf and, 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 and just improving, ju- just trying to continue the good fight of getting people to open up and to talk. And, and I suppose it's a good time now with the League of Ireland starting. We talk about the social aspect that the league is, you know, if you have a buddy or you have some that you go to the, the games where you haven't connected in a couple of months, reach out, get them down, you know, get them back to the league because it's a league, it's, it's something we all love going to these games and even if you realise there's a familiar face at the games that you haven't seen and they're missing, if you feel comfortable, reach out to that person, you know, that's, that's sometimes that's all we need, Roy, isn't it? We, do, we just need a, a helping hand, we just need a, a text message that can change everyone's outlook and that can change uh, change someone's uh, mental well-being so yeah just look out for each other and keep an eye on the head in the game we have hopefully an exciting year ahead of us yeah and it's important just to keep the conversation flowing because you could easily you know sport out for a few months everyone's talking about it yeah. and then and then die away and then you don't have that conversation going so head in the game is really about continuing on that focus and making sure that it doesn't it doesn't fade away into the background and that there's a, a continuous chat about mental health and where you can go to get help is is a big thing. Um, where does where does heading the game go 
from here? I mean, it, it's you're keeping the awareness. Where does it go from there? You know, you, obviously you have your jersey out and you are getting the, the, the stadium named after it and that's keeping the name out. There's a lot possibly that I suppose you could do. What are you yeah. going to do? I suppose I'd tread carefully. I'm sure if the, the lads uh, make the, some of the higher roofs looking at this, so without giving too much away, um, the ambition is big. It's, it's really, really big, and it's beyond the league, and it's also beyond Ireland. We have we have international connections starting to come through, which is really exciting. Look, that's these are things that are going to have to be worked out in time, and they will be announced. Um, but what we'd like to do, and, and even probably from the selfish aspect, what ourselves have I've talked about. Within the league, within this community of ours, if, if we can get, you know, the dogs of a mental health officer in every club, if we can make that a, a standard across the board, that would be absolutely brilliant. Um, things like TED Talks, um, uh, keynote events, things like that, you know, it's just going within the communities that, that's available now with, thankfully, government guidelines. Uh, and, and, well, COVID isn't going away anytime soon, and, and it's still as serious as ever. We're... In, at the stage where we can start going into these communities now, you know, and actually doing what we're supposed to be doing, we, we can go in as as hubs into communities, we can go in and help people, we can do, and talk and, and listen to people and point them in the right direction. Because let's get out there, a lot of the guys in the committee, myself included, we're not experts. We are not mental health experts at all. This is all on a voluntary basis. We, we do it because we love it and we want to see uh, see things improve with mental health in this country and in the league and, and, and in Irish football as a whole. So... But you know, it's educating ourselves as well, which is which is extremely important. And being able to, if anyone reaches out, being able to point them in the right direction and to say the right things to get them on on the path to a better tomorrow. Yeah, no, that's brilliant, and we will keep an eye out for what Head in the Game are doing this year. It's it's a fantastic thing to be involved with, and uh, yeah, if, it, yeah. and if if anyone can help out in any way at all. Uh, do get in touch with the likes of Nathan or or Dean or anyone else who's there. Uh, it, it's a really important thing. Now. We talk a little bit of football because there has been a lot. Of, <laughs> there has been a lot of chopping and changing in the league of Ireland during the the, the off season. Anton stand out for you, Nathan. In terms of silence, yeah. Uh, Derry City. Good night. See you now. Well, that's it. Sorry about <laughs> everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, um, obviously, look, Derry City. I've made some super, super incomings, haven't they? You know, uh, loads of Michael Duffy, McElhaney, Matty Smith. I'm not upset about that one, Roy. We'll, we'll say no more. <laughs> even the likes of Brandon Kavanagh and Brian Murray, you know, two yeah. players that, that are ready for that step up. I was thinking, look, we're all going to talk about the likes of Jack Bourne coming back to the league. And that that's excellent for the league, excellent for Shamrock Rovers. I know he was extremely unlucky over in Cyprus, coming off a bad injury. That guy is still a serious talent. And he's for me, he's the most talented player in this league on his day. Owen Doyle, I had to mention him. It took me over half an hour to mention Owen, so that, that's good. I thought I was going to blow it out in the first five minutes. He's getting on a bit, Owen, but he's a natural goal scorer. And, and in a league that's that's short, that was, that's, that's a big thing for us. Was there any, I suppose, from yourself, or everyone or two in mind, that went under the radar? Any signings that you know maybe isn't being picked up to, to the likes of your Jack Bones, your, your Owen Doyles and everyone that they signed. <laughs> well, you're throwing me under the bus there. And I, I was actually going to talk about, um, I'll come back to that one I'll, I'll, after and yeah, have yeah. a little little think about it. But I was going to talk about Bohemians again and how they've dismantled nearly a whole team again, again. and had to rebuild. This is like the third, fourth, fifth season in a row where they're going out with 
Now last year, I know they, they kept a few of the players. That was probably the first year that they kind of kept a few players. But they've had to really adapt a whole new team this year. And again, we're going into a season going, well, what can, what can Bowles do? Now normally, Keith Long turns it around and shows us what a good manager he is and, and, and how he gets the best out of the players that he gets in. What have you made of the players that they that have left who've made such a huge impact yeah. and what has come in instead? Yeah, massive loss, like I said, not the first time, but I think this is the biggest mass exodus that we've seen over the past couple of years. You know, like before we've seen like Danny Grant leaving and Andre Wright and while these days are two key players, we've seen key positions uh, being just completely dismantled uh, from this season. Coming, look, he was coming in, like I said, uh, Junior coming from uh, from, from Stoiger Rovers. He was with the likes of Derry, um, Dundalk the past couple of years. Hasn't done an awful lot uh, since his first impressive season at Derry City. The one that suppose stands out for me, but going to be a little bit positive for Bohemians, is uh, Chris Twardek coming back into the league. He, he, he yeah. was really good in his short spell. His first spell with Bohemians. Um, again, another one that went abroad to the likes of Poland. Didn't quite work out the way he liked. So that would be nice to have for them. Um Look, while we've seen Keith do this in the past, uh, more so uh, accommodating younger players that you have uh, in the academy, bring them up to the fourth team. I just feel that teams in the round of last season that we might get into in a minute, like the Derry, St. Pat's, um, Sam Grovers again, uh, they've all made slight improvements. So I think it could be a difficult one to share for Bowers if we're going to be looking at them as uh, European candidates, which you'd imagine that would be the main goal for them this season. But yeah, I think they could struggle with that one. What about Finn Harps? The, the, the one player that you were saying, they hadn't gone under the radar, but uh, Finn Harps took in, or oh, where has he gone? From St. Pat's Tunday. Did he, he went in at the end of last year, was he? Yeah, yeah, Tunde came to us. Tunde at Abawale came, came That's to right. Pats uh, from That's right. Harps. Yeah, yeah, good player. Yeah, really, really good player. If I'm looking at Pats this year, the attacking options that you have, uh, it's, it's really, really impressive to see. You know, we've seen Owen Doyle, Mark Doyle as well, coming in from Drottedip. Uh, yeah. He was second in the goal-scoring rankings last season. Really, really good player. Seeing a bit of him during the, uh, the pre-season. Well, he can't go with the pre-season games too much. His ability to take on a player um, out on the left-hand side, really direct, um, very quick, skillful feet. Yeah, good one to have. Adam O'Reilly, that, another one is as that, well. Sorry, Nathan, is that something that they were missing, though? That type of player? Because remember, we had this discussion last yeah, year. I'm talking about people in the same Pats team running. There's an awful lot of passing, but no real sort of penetration with players taking on players, skipping by. That's what he does bring, doesn't he? So it's, it, it'll be Big interesting point. to see how he affects teams now uh, for St. Pats how how are they going to make that something that's going to count how are they going to as like centre forward or uh, we know that w- what they can bring from midfield but what about yeah. that centre forward role for St. Pats yeah it's quite important because um, away, even away from Owen Doyle he brought Ronan Cochran back in look you know my feelings about Ronan um, not a big fan I, I I haven't been seen enough of him at the likes of Cork City and Sligo before he came to Pats. I think there's a lot of players similar to him in the league. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a workhorse. He's going to give 100% out of huffing and puffing, but the end product just isn't there. There's going to be improvements needed by him. Um, because if you're looking at Owen Doyle, 33, brilliant signing, over the moon that we got him in. But I think there's going to be questions on how much is he going to play this year when you when you take in uh, league football, cup football, and European football. So that's going to be really important. Um, that Pats get that strength and depth with the squad right this year. Um, 
because you're going to have, like you said, like, like to Mark Doyle, Dara Bones, great to see him uh, stick around with the club uh, this season, you know. So you're going to get plenty of, of, of balls in from the midfield. So we're, we're going to, we can't just be relying on the, on the likes of Owen Doyle. We're going to need the, the Tunde Oberwale. Jeez, I'm going to struggle with this this season. Oberwale of the world. Just Tunde. Uh, just Tunde. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I just stick. I tried, mate. Tunde, if you're watching, I know you're not watching, but I tried, pal. Apologies. Um, um, so what about so, the, what about the players that have left Pats? Is there anyone that yeah, I know? Yeah. Matty Smith is a little bit of a thorn uh, in your side. There, he he did relatively well last year. Probably one of the better players for yeah. Pats last year. H- who kills you? Like you've got Sam Bone, Robbie Benson, Mountney, Desmond, yeah. Alfie Lewis. Yeah. You know, there's the, the uh, more to go there, but there's quite a lot of first teamers gone. Lee's a big one. Lee Desmond's a big one for Pats as a centre half. He's been absolutely focal to, to, to not only the team, but to the club as a whole. Now, still only young, only 25. I think a lot of us forget that. He, he's been around the league for, for so long. You understand why he left, why he made the decision to go to America with the age that he's at. He doesn't do it now. He feels he's never going to do it. He left on such a high with the cup. But that's going to be a massive loss uh, for Pats this season. Look, Paddy Barrett signing back was a big one. He hasn't been involved with the preseason, so maybe nursing a bit of an injury there. With the system that uh, Tim is going to go, Tim, it's been a strange from the preseason. Tim has fluctuated between a back three and a back four. I think if you go with a back three, you could see the likes of Ian Birmingham push into uh, a left centre half. I think that could be a nice round for Ian mm. uh, as he's coming into twilight of his career. But yeah, look, Lee Desmond's a massive loss. Um, and Yaros, Vitslav Yaros in goal, while he was never realistically going to sign back, Liverpool were always going to, uh, to loan him out to, to an English side to get him that experience, in, 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 especially in the EFL. But he actually went to the conference in the end, uh, yeah. not County. Um, and look, say what you will, could, could he got more experience come back to pass for European football? Who knows? Um, but look, we, we got, got a new guy, other lad in his name, uh, Completely that's slipping my mind. He got him in from West Ham, he was a Stevenage. Um, yeah, so Yaros would be a big loss, but like you said, realistically, he was he was probably never going to come back to Pats anyway. Okay, we're not going to go through every team now. Who do you think has done the best business during in the Premier Division? We'll talk about the first division quickly in a second. Who do you think has done the best business in the in the Premier League? I think it's hard to put up past Derry, isn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. it really, really is. The, the, the quality of player that, that he brought in is absolutely immense. Um, while at the, the back end of last year, we heard about the, the influx of money coming in. I personally thought, yeah, we'll see the building blocks of that this year. And maybe it would the fruits of the labour two or three years down the line. But yeah. they've made some serious headway. Now, look, these lads all have to gel in and that's going to take time. And maybe it will take a year or two for the squad to be settled and, 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 and for uh, Rory Higgins to, to get that nucleus of the squad together. But... The quality that they have there, they, they have to be title challengers. They really, really have to be this season. I think it'd be foolish not to look them as title challengers. I think it would because the way he got them performing at the end of last year says everything about what way he was managing the side, especially the way Derry City started. So, yeah, I'd be, I'd be 100% saying that they could take St. Pat's place to challenge yeah. Shamrock Rovers for this title. Although so. we haven't talked about Dundalk yet. Dundalk yeah. challenge, yes or no? I don't think the I think they're still a bit off challenging, uh, but I think European football could be in the cards. I think quickly, just a quickly when I I think uh, like I said, Rovers, 
I could see them win again. Derry will be there. I think Pats will be there in their belts, but I think by looking at European football, it will be Pats and Dundalk we, we really battling it out. I think that'll be an interesting uh, new rivalry this season, especially with the whole Stephen O'Donnell uh, situation, which we'll talk about throughout the year because we're still, in, we're still in, <laughs> a bit into this podcast now and I don't want to get started. Yeah, um, no, look, in, right. in, fairness, in fairness to Stephen, uh, his recruitment has always been spot on uh, for the most parts. I think one, actually, while I threw the little caveat out there about uh, sign has gone under the radar, he bought in a centre-half on loan from Dundee, Mark Connolly. I think that mm-hmm. could be a key one from this year. And uh, while it's only loaned, if they can move that into a permanent day, it'd be brilliant because Brian Gartland, absolutely uh, a bona fide legend in the League of Ireland and with Dundalk, you know, was super, super servant to that club, but such a nasty injury. And But to see even Brian come back this year was brilliant. I, I personally thought we wouldn't see him again. So to see him come back on his own terms is great, but his game time is going to be limited. So I think uh, Mark Connolly will, will be a big one to, to step yeah, up. Yeah, but they, they have, clearly he's gone, he's, has left. Uh, has gone, has gone as well. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be a, a brand new Dundalk nearly, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, like uh, said, Sam Bowen coming in, Andy Boyle. You'd imagine being regular. Darry Lee, he he has to start getting games. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. really struggled over the past couple of years. Um, thankfully for Dundalk fans, no, a baby. Uh, they still got uh, lad Nathan Shepherd in as a goalkeeper. Um, yeah, it's going to be a complete new one, uh, a complete rebuild. But feelings aside about the the Pat O'Donnell's situation, O'Donnell is a really really talented coach, and uh, it's you could definitely. Um, do a good job at Dundalk. Uh, it's all positive for Dundalk with the new ownership and they're saying the right things and they seem to be acting on the right things and, and working closely with uh, the, Dund- the Dundalk supporters group. So it's a club on the up, you know. I, I, I don't think it'd be as a disaster season as it was last year. I think we will see Dundalk back where they belong uh, fighting for European football. And I do, like I said, I think they're a little bit off the pace for the league title. I think it'll take a while for Stephen to put his, uh, his, his influence on the team. The same way they did with Pat's like, you know, if Stephen came into Pats and, and those people calling for his job a couple of months into it. So I think it will take a while. But yeah, they, they'll be definitely in the European fight this season. Uh, Shelbourne look interesting there's some interesting yeah. signings that they have as well uh, I think we'll go a little bit more into them uh, and Sligo next week and of course UCD well UCD have uh, everyone and anyone it's very hard to to do it so well in the first division and then the Premier Division can be a struggle so it'll be interesting to see how they do but they'll always they'll always put a, a good fight up and, and play some great football uh, quick We'll do First Division next week, but quick look at First Division. I, I looked at Bray Wanderers here. I have them here in front of me. They've got about 7 billion players they're after bringing in. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be very interesting because half of them are Cabin Tealy, obviously. It's, uh, yeah. what do you make of that whole sort of merger? I'm not, I'm not fond of it. I think it's just killing one club. I think if I was a Bray Wanderers fan, I'd be severely disappointed. I think they they, they got the, the I think Cabin Teeley got the benefit of it. You know, they're, they're going into the Carlisle grounds. Um while it's not the best stadium uh, within the league, it's it's a million miles better than Stradbrook. So that's it that's a boost for Cabin Teeley. I think you're getting Cabin Teeley are coming into a better group of players as well. Um Do you think Bray... do you think that the name Cabin Teeley will stick around? No, I think there's more weight in the name Bray Wanderers with the history of the club. So is that not just killing Cabin Teeley altogether out of the League of Ireland? Really just trying to make a, a connection there between Cabin Teeley, schoolboys, I suppose, and a Bray Wanderers yeah. side. So really Cabin Teeley are done and dusted and Bray will take over and be, 
I suppose a little bit stronger for it, but I'm not sure how much more. Now, I know we will see the return of Cabin Teely. I think that was part of the deal, wasn't it? This year, it's going to be Bray Wanderers. I think next year, it's going to be Cabin Teely. And then after that, there's going to be a complete revamp and a, and a rename. But, Bray yeah, Wanderers. Call it, yeah, call it what it is. <laughs> look, 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 Cabin Teely is pretty much going to act as a feeder system to Bray with, with that schoolboy football. And, yeah. Like, again, I know we talked about it a bit into uh, in, the end of season two uh, of the podcast uh do you just completely rebrand it, you know, make it in, into a, a Wicklow County or, or whatever, you know, make it a bit more attractive and make it a, a, a branch it out a little bit to the entire county of Wicklow, but I'm not too sure that it even work because uh, you look at Bray, it's, it's always struggled in recent history with financial and getting people through the torn style. So, yeah, I don't think, I can't see even a complete revamp working out for them. Um, I like Bray, though. I, I do, I like Bray as a club. Um a lot of history behind them. That's a good squad of players there that they had even before the merger, and a good few of them stuck stick around. Big one is getting the likes of you, Douglas, back into the club. Um, a brain man, true and true, you know, the family connection there. Um, it was a shame to even see him leave Bray in the first place. So, yeah. if, if I'm looking at one, yeah, for the likes of him coming back in, it's nice to see. Okay, I'm conscious of time, so we'll do more on the first division. We'll actually do a, a better look at the, on the first division next week uh, because Wexford is interesting. You did an article on them with Dinny Cochran coming in and, and, and players like that, so they'd they be very interesting. Uh, just a quick look at the... By the time people are watching this, the President's Cup will be probably over and done and we won't even, you know, <laughs> we won't even have a prediction right for this or any time for prediction to hang out there that we might be right but uh, just your thoughts on the President's Cup overall not even generally that the, the game on Friday night but is the President's Cup something that you like to see do you get excited about it? Well, I was excited about it this year but as a whole I've no way when thoughts about it really I think it sort of is what it is. I I, I don't. Is, am I right in saying is there is there a prize fund at the end of it? I don't think I'm, not sure. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I could be wrong about that. I really, really could be. Um, I know. Look, look, looking at the one this year, the positive ticket sales uh, going on looks like it could be a, a good court and razor. Is it a glorified friendly? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm just looking at momentum going into, into the season. It gives you um. It gives you the last chance to. I think that both sides, and it normally does happen within uh, the President's Cup, the, the sides tend to play a strong team, but they chance it to chop and change. Not a complete, you know, like one team play the first half, one play, team play the second half, but you will see a lot of rotation with players. You could even see a rotation with uh, with the likes of formations and things like that. That has been going on in the past. I think again, we will see that on Friday. Um, but yeah, no strong opinions on, on the President's Cup either way. The same way you could say the same with the Community Shield over in England. It's just it's a nice court raiser uh, for fans of the league, you know, get excited for the league. But I suppose for clubs, that's all it is. It's a momentum boost, and it's, it's a last look out there to be able to tweak a uh, system, tweak formations, you know, move players around. And but look, a lot of that is done already at this stage, isn't it? As you said, it's curtain raiser. It just lets you know that the league is around the yeah. corner and it's all going to kick off. So. Yeah, I suppose it's there. It's better than a normal pre-season friendly, so it, it starts it all off. So no one gets excited by it, but it's a, it's an acknowledgement that we're going to start off. Yeah. So yeah, we, we'll keep it so. We'll keep it so. Okay, Nathan, listen, thanks very much for your time. Thanks very much for everyone else out there who, who's watching or listening on the podcast. So you can watch the League of Ireland podcast on YouTube or you can listen to it, of course, on any really platform out there that does podcasts. We're on them all. Okay. Nathan, cheers.